come to your door. Even the Jehovah's Witnesses believe they constitute a part of this band of 144,000. They misappropriate the scripture and apply it to themselves even though they're not Jews and never were Jews. So when you have a Jehovah's Witness come to the door and you want to speak to them and they claim to be a part of 144,000, simply go to Revelation and ask them which tribe are they from. At least put some doubt into their mind. The Bible says very clearly that these are Jewish people and it's for this reason we need to remember that this tribulation is known as the time of Jacob's distress. Now we need to go to Jeremiah chapter 30. I need you to follow along with me so we can see and you can see and mark in your Bibles that this Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 1 to 9 is actually talking about this period of time. And he makes some statements there, or the Lord does, and Jeremiah wrote them down. Jeremiah chapter 30, I want you to see that the whole Bible is focused on this end. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Write all the words which I have spoken to you in a book. For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and Judah. The Lord says I will also bring them back to the land that I gave their forefathers and they shall possess it. Has that happened yet? No. So this is a future event. That hasn't happened. Verse 4, now these are the words which the Lord spoke concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus says the Lord, I have heard a sound of terror, of dread, and there is no peace. Ask now and see if a male can give birth. No, I don't, want, I don't like that part. Ask now and see if a male can give birth. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in childbirth? And why have all faces turned pale? Alas, for that day is great. There is none like it. And it is the time of Jacob's distress. But he will be saved from it. It shall come about on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off their neck and will tear off their bonds and strangers will no longer make, their, make them their slaves, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. How much clearer can we get that David, their king, who will be raised up for them, will be able, they'll be able to be under him, and that is in the millennium, which we'll get to. This 144,000 missionaries Jesus also mentioned in Matthew Matthew chapter 24, Jesus makes this statement. He's talking about the unfolding events of the future and Jesus says in Matthew 24:14, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. That's pretty, pretty short, isn't it? Then the end will come. But Jesus was just talking about, he was just explaining what's going to happen. And the gospel of the kingdom 
will be preached. This group of 144,000 select men, just like 144,000 Apostle Pauls, can you imagine that? Will fulfill the words of Christ that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the final judgments of God will come. We will get to that in chapter 20, 21, 22. I have to leave it for that now at the moment. Back to chapter 7. We've seen 144,000 men sealed for a job. We're also given what the result of their preaching is. Look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. He says again, after these things... So after the sealing of the 144,000, after seeing the anointing of Christ's missionaries, John is taken into the future. So he saw the missionaries being um, anointed as he was in heaven and they were on earth. That's why I tried to put that sheet together for you to show you what was happening and what was happening on earth. So John has seen the missionaries being anointed on earth And now he's taken into the future to the end of the tribulation to see the result of these 144,000 missionaries. And John says, after these things in verse 9, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cry out with a loud voice saying salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might to be to our God forever and ever amen Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in white robes, who are they and where have they come from? So you got one of the elders asked John a question. Now as it turns out, John didn't know the answer, so I think it was one of the elders asking John to think about it before he gave him the answer. So the elder asked John a question. And in verse 14, John said to him, My Lord, you know... In other words, I don't. And he said to me, these are the ones who come come out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You see, because John is in heaven, he sees these things from an eternal point of view. As I've said before and I'll stand by, there's no sequence or time limitations, no past or future in heaven. From our standpoint of time, John now sees things that are happening at the close of the seven-year period. What does he see? What did God show him? Well, God showed him a great multitude that have come out of the Great Tribulation. They lived into the Tribulation, were redeemed during the Tribulation, and as the elder said to John, these are the ones who come out of the Great Tribulation. How did they come out? Well, only by death. By death, by violence, natural causes, martyrdom. 
And we haven't got there yet in chapter 13, but they're going to die a terrible death when they don't accept the mark of the beast in, in chapter 13. They lose their heads if they don't accept that mark, which one day we'll get to. Just be clear. The phrase, the ones who come out of, in verse 14, translate, translates a present durative participle of, of the verb ekomai. Now, I know that bless, you know, blesses your cotton socks. The reason I'm telling you is because it depicts a prolonged process. They came out of over a period of time. It depicts this group of growing as people keep dying during the tribulation, keep losing their heads. And now they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They have palm branches in their hands. Now we've seen palm, people with palm branches in their hands before on the, the mountainside of Jerusalem as the people welcomed him as king, or at least for a couple of hours anyway, before they crucified him. And now we see the tribulation saints welcoming their king in the same way. Now just to tie it all together... These people, these tribulation saints, are the martyrs of the fifth seal back in chapter 6. You remember them? Let's go back to chapter 6, verse 9, just to refresh our memory, because it all ties together. Chapter 6, verse 9. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe and they were told that they should rest for a little while until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. And now in chapter 7, John sees the tribulation saints have been completed. You see, in chapter 6, verse 11, these saints were told to rest for a little while. There's more people going to be killed. You just rest a little while, and then I will, don't worry, I will judge, and I will be uh, avenging your blood. But he said, you need to rest because there are more brethren going to be killed. And now, going back to chapter 7, verse 9, they all appear together. Those who were under the altar and were awaiting, and now the rest have joined them. And again in 7, 9, it says, And look, and I behold a great multitude which no one can count. Every nation, all tribes, all peoples, all tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. These are tribulation saints, saints that have come out of the tribulation. And I can't help but think, for us as Christians, as we sit here this morning, <coughs> chapter 7 doesn't involve us. But we're here, and God has, by his breathing, breathed out this for us. And I think, for us as Christians, it's a wonderful time to think that in the earth's darkest hour yet to come, the greatest harvest the world has ever seen will take place. Millions of those who never heard the gospel today will be saved. Grace and mercy from our God.
But I want to leave or just talk about a word of caution. If you're not a Christian as you sit here this morning and you say to yourself, well, I'm not going to decide to become a Christian just now. I'll wait for the tribulation and then I can be really sure the gospel is true and then I'll become a Christian. Now, you might think that's strange, but that's what one young chap said to me as I was sharing the gospel with him. I want you to turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you're sitting here this morning and you're a non-Christian and you think you might be able to get through the tribulation or get into it and be saved, I want to put that thought right out of your head. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read from 8 to 11. Again, this is talking about the exact period that we're reading in Revelation. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. <coughs> then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Now that's encouraging. That's the whole tribulation in one verse. <laughs> that's, that's it for you. Condensed. Reader's Digest, condensed virgin. He comes, he's revealed, the Lord kills him. Verse 9, that is the one who is coming in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. <clears throat> for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. What's it talking about here? Well, we have to work out what the them is. For this reason, God will send upon them. Who is the them? They're the ones who have not received the love of the truth so as to be saved. See, I don't think that those today who have heard the gospel and have rejected the gospel will be any part of this number of tribulation saints. Why? Because God will send upon them a deluding influence a strong delusion that they will believe what is false. So if you've heard the gospel and you've rejected it, then God is going to send a strong delusion <coughs> to believe the powers and the signs and the false wonders. Again in verse 10, with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. You see, this harvest of believers in Revelation 7 is a harvest of those who have never heard the gospel before the rapture of the church. Therefore, they were never sent a delusion because they never, uh, or did not receive, they've never received it, never heard it, never understood it. Those people will go into the tribulation. And during these terrible days of judgment, thousands upon thousands and millions will hear the, of the coming kingdom of God announced and will turn to Christ. But it's going to cost them their lives. These believers, they just don't have easy believism in the, in the tribulation. 
They must give up their lives because of their testimony for God. You know, we also meet these tribulation saints again when we come to chapter 20. So if you'd like to turn with me to Revelation chapter 20 verse 4. Chapter 20 verse 4. Then I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So even though we've seen these tribulation saints in heaven, John has already shown us that at the end of the tribulation they're going to come back to life and they're going to reign with Christ during the millennial kingdom. They'll be given a spiritual ministry on earth during that thousand year reign of Christ. I even believe that's what's suggested in the closing description of their ministry back in chapter 7. Look back at chapter 7 beginning with verse 15. Talking about the tribulation saints, remember? And verse 15 says, For this reason, what reason is that? We'll go back to 14. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And John says, <coughs> writes, For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the centre of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of water of life and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Notice the throne and the temple mentioned in these verses. This is the throne of his father David. And this was promised even in Luke, Luke chapter 1 verse 31, even the proclamation to Mary recorded in this passage, I'll, I'll read it to you, Luke 31, 31. <coughs> Mary was told, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the throne that we're seeing in Revelation, the throne of David, his father. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, Jesus Christ. Then we have a temple mentioned. Where is this temple? Well, I believe it's a reference to the millennial temple, which is yet to be built in Jerusalem. It will be built. Don't ask me how but it will be built because the scriptures have it there. In fact, it's the one that Ezekiel describes in the closing chapters of his great prophecy. It'll be the nation, a place where the nations come to worship in the day when Christ rules over the earth, as we've just read. There's a beautiful description of this prophecy in Micah, chapter 4, 1 to 6. You might just write that down. We won't read it, 
but I'll describe it to you. Micah chapter 4, 1 to 6 talks about the prophet describing the government of God centred in Jerusalem. He says, Justice will flow there to all the earth. The nations will bring tribute to him. The men shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and will make war no more. Peace will come at last over the earth. Why do I think this temple is on earth during the millennial kingdom? Simply because, verse 15, we're told the tribulation saints serve the Lord day and night. There's no day or night in heaven. This is clearly an earthly scene. He who sits on the throne, the throne of David, will spread his tabernacle literally over them and never again will they hunger or thirst. This is a beautiful description of the blessing of the millennial kingdom with one aspect, the aspect of the tribulation saints. We will see others concerning us and concerning uh, people who are born in the millennium. We'll see that as we go on. But this millennium aspect is simply the tribulation saints. <coughs> we'll talk about a lot more when we get to chapter 20. But chapter 7 has described two lots of people. The first lot gives us such encouragement to know that God in his mercy through wrath and judgment sends missionaries to share the gospel with millions and millions of people. The tribulation saints were given a description of them. We're told where they are, what they're going to be doing. You see, many are going to succumb to the deluded lies of the Antichrist when the time comes. They will give him total allegiance during that tribulation. And we've been told that in 2 Thessalonians. But at the same time, the greatest revival in history is going to come, past, come to pass. A time when thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Gentiles and Jews throughout the whole earth will receive Christ. And so as we sit here reading chapter 7 this morning, for us born-again believers, this is a, a wonderful picture of God's divine grace and mercy in the midst of his wrath and judgment. Our God is a graceful and mercy, merciful God, but he is also a God of wrath and a God of judgment. But his wrath and judgment are held in place with his grace and mercy. I can get wrathful and I want to, I want to give someone judgment, but it's not held together with grace and mercy a lot of the time. <coughs> God can do that. God does that. But I have to ask this morning, because I think chapter 7 is centred a lot on those who do not know the Lord. And I want to ask, what about right now? What, what's happening right now concerning this chapter? Well, sad to say, in our world today, multitudes reject the Saviour and prefer Satan. Now, they not, might not think they prefer Satan. You could go to them and <coughs> say, do you prefer Satan over Christ? And they would probably say no, but sitting on the fence is preferring Satan. The gospel is black and white. Either you're a born-again believer or you're not. Either you're 
with the Saviour, in, in the Saviour, in Christ, or you're in Satan. And that's happening today, and multitudes will reject the Saviour. And believe me, they're just as condemned as the tribulation sinners who receive the mark of the beast. So if you sit here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I don't know when this is going to start happening. A lot of us here say Maranatha, may it come quickly. A lot of us here, all Christians should be prepared to go to heaven. That's our next stop. We're just sojourners passing through a land that doesn't belong to us. We're citizens of glory, citizens of heaven. And I personally can't wait (coughs) to take up my citizenship there. But if you sit here this morning and you think you're sitting on the fence and I'll make a decision sometime in the future, that could happen tonight. And as I've just shared, if you think you can wait to the tribulation and and see, oh, yeah, that was all true, what what they said, I better accept Christ as Saviour, it won't happen. (coughs) Thessalonians says that you will be sent a delusion And I know you'll be sent a delusion because even around our table this morning, Pete shared the gospel. You've heard the gospel. You know the gospel. You might know all ins and outs of it, but you know the gospel. So if you've never trusted the Saviour, all I can say after reading chapter 7 and looking at what happens in the millennial kingdom, knowing that we won't be there, praise God, If you've never trusted the Saviour, then do it now. Let's pray. Father, we come before you as a group of people who love you, who are reading uh, the book of Revelation that you have given to us to reveal your Son, to uncover the work of your Son during this time. We thank you for it, Lord. We, We thank you that we can have an insight. We thank you that for us as Christians, we're we're always encouraged to know that we don't go through this turmoil. But it also shows us, Lord, that you are a God of wrath and a God of judgment. And when you say it will happen, it will happen. But it's such a, a wonderful thing for us to be able to praise you for your grace and your mercy to those who in that seven-year period, we'll have that last opportunity before it all comes to a complete and sudden stop. And so we thank you, Lord, that we can read this. I pray for those who do not know you, whether it be in this room or our friends and our family. We all have friends and family that do not know you. Lord, help us to just keep this in mind and to show them the urgency and to... Help them to understand that that there is an urgency about accepting Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not the next day, but today. And I pray, Father, that you will help those who do not know you. Give them no peace until they think upon your word and accept your Saviour as their Redeemer. And I thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.